And welcome back to Restless. My name is Father Joseph Gill, priest of the Diocese of Bridgeport, Connecticut. And you have joined us, us meaning myself and Lauren and Carmelina and Joe, as together we young adults restlessly seek the face of Christ in today's crazy and mixed up world. And one of the craziest things in our world, which really kind of goes beyond our world, is uh, the reality of the devil. You know, and so I want to kind of talk about the devil today. You guys, are, you guys don't remember, you're too young to remember Flip Wilson. He was the comedian from the 70s, 80s? No idea. His, his famous tagline was, the devil made me do it. That was <laughs> Well, we've thing. heard that tagline for sure. Yeah, and maybe we've thought it ourselves. <laughs> the devil made me do it. So we're talking about, like, how does the devil impact our daily life and how do we fight the devil? So first of all, do you believe that the devil impacts our daily life? Because there's an awful lot of people that don't. I was teaching my confirmation class a couple, uh, two days ago, and uh, I, I, we were reading the book of Genesis and talking about, you know, the serpent. Like, well, who's the serpent a symbol of? Well, a symbol of the devil. And I said, well, is the devil real? And half the kids were like, no, it's just a symbol. I'm like, ooh, no, incorrect. What do you guys think? I think that he, he does. One priest had actually said, the devil's in the details, so stay away from the details. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I don't know how that applies to work, but probably not. Um, yeah. I, I think that the devil at least tries to. Um, and I think in, I think it's in the Screwtape le- Letters by C.S. Lewis, talks about how that's exactly what the devil wants us to believe. What you just said is that he doesn't impact our lives and that he's not real. And he's some sort of fictional, you know, thing in our imaginations that um, we don't really experience on a daily basis. So, but I do believe he at least tries to impact our daily lives i'm in agreement i think his first trick is that he doesn't exist um but he's constantly i believe trying to influence us or discourage us or tempt us or pull us away from god in any way that he can yeah i heard a a a, uh, saint i forget which one it was say that we don't need to be afraid of the devil because right now at this very moment the devil is trying as hard as he possibly can to get you to fall or suffer or sin but god's hand like his restraining hand like holds the devil back from his full wrath you know so so we don't need to be afraid like oh the devil's gonna come after me harder well only if god allows it right right i think that's the key i i hadn't heard about god holding the devil back but definitely that the devil can only do what god permits since he is a creature right 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 and also that the devil can also act in god's will like, you know, tribulations or difficulties, God can use that to still fulfill his own will. Totally. Because right? the, the devil's still a creature and an instrument, which I think is interesting. And I'm sure for a lot of people that could immediately make them go like, well, wait a minute. What about all this really horrible stuff that happens? You know? Right. Is the devil in the Holocaust and is the devil in cancer? And- right. And why, why are those, you know, tragedies permitted? Right. But that's beyond our understanding, I guess. Well, it could be for a future Restless episode. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Discussing the problem of evil, you know. Why is there suffering in the world? Yeah, I mean, that's all obviously true. I tend to, I, I kind of think that in some ways the biggest victories the devil wins are the small ones in our own lives. So like, you know, the devil's the accuser, right? So I mean, in those moments where I'm judgmental of other people or I, you know, find myself find myself thinking, well, I'm working so hard over here and you know, they're not doing anything or something like that. I feel like in those moments, that's sometimes the, the biggest, the, the most difficult victories to win against the devil because it feels so insignificant, but you're just like coarsening yourself and like stealing your soul against people, you know? Mm. Um, 
yeah. So anything that shows division, right? I mean, in our own lives, and, and I mean, I mean, I guess to to a point, um, but yeah, I mean, especially the, the the devil as the accuser, I think, is, a, is an important image to remember. Yeah, yeah, which kind of puts that like that name. I mean, that's what the name Satan means is accuser, and I think that's an interesting name because like a lot of times, um, one of the devil's tactics is to make us to accuse us of sins that are already forgiven. You know, make us doubt God's mercy. I think it's such an interesting contrast because one of the names that's given to the Holy Spirit is the advocate. So it's almost like a courtroom situation. You've got the accuser and you've got the advocate, the lawyer, the one who's on your side defending you. That's I know you're true. a lawyer. So. <laughs> For legal reasons, I should say that I'm not a lawyer. But um, <laughs> um, no, but it's actually it's an interesting image because also God's the judge, right? So that in this situation, it's God the Father judging you with God the Holy Spirit as your as your attorney in the in the metaphor with the devil as the prosecutor. It's a fun and the, to play with. The evidence is the precious blood covering your soul. Hmm. Yeah, I like that. That's an interesting image. I'll have to sit on that for a little while. Yeah, go ponder it in your lawyer brain. <laughs> yeah, my almost lawyer brain. <laughs> so, has the devil ever impacted you personally? Like, have you ever had an experience where you're like that was definitely the evil one? Yes. Really? Yeah, definitely. So I don't know, people may think this is trivial, but almost every time that I have spiritual direction, which is with someone who is in Spain, and so it's over Skype, there are some kind of technical difficulties. So that happened this morning, actually, where my spiritual director was a little bit late. So I'm thinking, what's going on? And then so she explains, oh, you know, I got a little bit behind. And then I come and then, of course, Skype needs to update. Right? Oh, no. And it just pulls away from our time that we have together. Or another time, you know, she's connected and she'll talk to me from different places because they have where they live and then their retreat center and such. And, you know, we couldn't get um, like the video and the sound to work in conjunction with each other. And then we finally get it connected, right, five minutes later. And it's, well, yesterday it was the other computer that worked for sound but not video. And today it's this computer, right? So we have to go through this hassle. And it does take away this time that's Mm. precious because she's six hours ahead. I'm like only talking to her for like an hour and 15 minutes, maybe before work or something, you know, or the call drops. And I've also seen with their community, they'll try to live stream something from Spain to us, like the Americans. And uh, it, the connection doesn't work, you know, or it takes the longest time mm. to connect. And I just keep seeing those things happen. Um, I'm sure a lot of people doubt that that's really the devil. But I, I do think those are things that he's trying to do is detract from, you know, grace. Sure. When it's an uncanny pattern like that, yeah. Oh, yeah, and it hap- it's almost happens like every time. That's crazy. That I talk wow. to her, so. Yeah, I, I do think that in my pre-Catholic Protestant days, um, a lot of things were always attributed to the devil, right? Oh, that's the devil. Oh, that's um, definitely spiritual warfare. But at the end of the day, sometimes I think that we don't really know. And some, and what I found is when, when some things were attributed like to, you know, Satan at work— sometimes it could have been a result of just our fallen nature. Mm. And um, I think what's more important to focus on is, you know, what is God trying to do in our lives? Because at the end of the day, whether it is Satan, whether it is God, unless it's like actively demonic, I think it's really hard to tell whether or not something is really from the devil. And and correct me if I say anything, anything wrong here, but, um, you know, now I tend to focus on what is God trying to show us? Because some people, you know, may, we will all eventually like fall, with some sort of illness, right? And some people could say, oh, it's it's like the devil, but maybe we could focus on instead like, oh, this is a remembrance of our mortality hmm. and of like a, a foreshadowing of our eventual death, which will eventually unite us to God. Yeah. So um, 
I have seen people trapped in darkness, depression. Um, I think one thing that I do see that, you know, is probably not from God is people getting trapped within themselves. Lauren and I actually had a really good conversation about this the other day. Like sometimes darkness is comfortable for people. Like, and like depression, you mean? Yeah, like depression or just like habitual depression and like the self-focus. And I've seen, I think it's hard with social media. Like I've seen that a lot, you know, in the workplace and this isolation with COVID and a lot of people seem to be trapped within themselves and kind of the counter of that, the goodness that we can find is that is kind of stepping out of ourselves to serve in some sort of way. So rather than like focusing on, oh, maybe that's the devil's darkness. It's like, well, maybe we can find God in that by serving. Hmm. I want to come back to that because that's an interesting thought of like, how do you distinguish between the devil and human Mm -hmm. Because I, I do think there's a lot of intertwining between the two. And yeah. the devil can use our psychological wounds exactly. as, as means for him to drag us deeper. Yeah. You know, and, and you may, as you say, you know, keep us in that rut. Mm-hmm. But, but I'm just curious if Joe has ever had any uh, kind of experience that he would kind of say that's probably you know, from the evil one. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think there's any moment in my life where I would look back and say, yeah, that was clearly the evil one acting. Which is not to say that there wasn't or that there aren't moments where that's possible, but I mean, there are um, sometimes, <clears throat> not often, but of, of course my life a few times have had sort of strangely like demonic tinged dreams um, and I've woken up kind of freaked out by them, um, but it's never, you know, clear what, what causes something like that. Mm. But in those moments, I've always found that it's useful um, just to sort of take a moment to either, you know, recite the pray to some Michael the Archangel or a Hail Mary or something like that because one can never be too careful, right? Um, I mean, I think it's important, to, it's important to remember that, like you were saying, uh, Carmelina, like the devil is a reality in your life. It doesn't mean that every time you stub your toe, it's the devil putting a rock in front of you, right? And so like, I should remind myself because I think I, I tend, I trend towards the two extremes where either like, that's ridiculous, it's superstitious, don't, don't, don't attribute, you know, to, to the Satan what can be attributed to, you know, natural things. But on the other hand, I'm also like, the devil is doing that. So I try to like, I don't know, be a little bit skeptical of these things, but also sort of prudent in my prayer life as, as, as pertains to them. Hmm. So I'm, I'm curious though, because it sounds like, I mean, it sounds like, um, you know, it sounds like Lauren and, and I too have had kind of, kind of what I would interpret as more, more like what you would say, like, you know, in your Protestant days, Carmelina, about how like bad things happen is probably Satan. But it sounds like you two kind of were like, well, you know, Satan doesn't really impact that much on our daily life. So then what does, I mean, what does Satan do? Is just kind of like letting you kind of do your thing? I don't think so. I think, um, so again, the screw tape letters talks about this a little bit. And so does, um, I don't know if you've read Into Your Hands, Father by Stinitzen. It's a really great no. book. Um, it's about just God's providence and, you know, our fallen nature. I, I think that maybe the devil is kind of in the details sometimes where it could be in the little moments where we're supposed to pray our rosary, but something gets in the way and, um, or we were supposed to call a friend and, you know, you just don't feel like it. You're or, suddenly really crushingly tired when it's time to pray or something like that. Crushingly right? yeah. tired. It's, yeah. It happens a lot. In yeah. those little moments. And I think those little moments add up to big moments that will yeah. eventually pull us away from God or sever that relationship, which is exactly what he wants to do. I think in the first place. Yeah. So I do think he's very active. Um, but I think it could cause some sort of, at least for me, some sort of paranoia to be like, was that the devil? Like, you know, but <laughs> at the end of the day, it brings me personally more consolation to be like, regardless of if it's the devil or if it's my own fallen nature, like there is the sacrament of reconciliation and God is in control and the devil cannot act outside of God's providence, no matter what happens. So yeah. I try to focus less on 
is this Satan? Because it, it very well could be. And more on like, okay, how do I come back to God? Mm. I think I heard it once. I once heard it said that you, we shouldn't give the devil more power than he has by right. attributing to him things he has nothing to do with. So like if you, because if you, if you obsess over, if, if you obsess over every small thing that was wrong in your life and attribute them to Satan, you're giving him a lot of power over your life. And he's occupying, a, he's, I mean, he's occupying a lot of space in your head rent free. And so like, you know, it's important to, to, be, to be guarded about these things and, be, and, 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 and re, again, acknowledge the reality of demonic influences in our lives. But um, actually, I actually have a question about, about that sort of thing too. Is, is it possible for the evil one just to put thoughts in our heads? Yes, absolutely. So um, a lot of the, the theology that I've studied on, uh, on demons comes from the Vatican's top exorcist, Father Gabriel Morth, who re- recently died a couple of years ago. He's done over 10,000 exorcisms in his career, and he wrote a phenomenal book called An Exorcist Tells a Story. If you never want to sleep again at night, <laughs> read that book. Wow. <laughs> Carmelina's like... Yeah. It's so real, though. People forget. Like, absolutely. The demonic yeah. is absolutely real, 100%. And and he talks about four different... Well, he talks about six different levels, really, of demonic influence in our life. The, the most, I hate to say the word mild, but the kind of the most common is temptation. We all experience that. And sometimes temptation is not from the devil. Sometimes it's from the world or the flesh. Those are kind of the three sources of temptation. Um, but he, he also delineates, of course, there's possession, which is the most severe and most rare, um, but he also talks about obsession and oppression. So obsession is where the devil does indeed put uh, thoughts in your mind that are bizarre, make you feel dirty. You're kind of like, well, where did that come from? You know, that's not like, it's not who I am. That's not the, my regular, regular train of thought. And then oppression would be kind of like, you know, your example of like, um, or like Lauren's example of having the technology break down when you're trying to do something good. The other two were uh, curses and infestations. Um, cursed objects and infestations of place mm. where a demon could quasi-reside. I mean, it's his spirit, so it's not like he's like living there. But mm. so I, I think that, like I was thinking about this yesterday when I was kind of taking over this episode, and like I think in, in some ways the way I experience the devil the most, if it is indeed the devil, is in sometimes in prayer, like not when I am sort of like, run in a hurry and like rushing through prayer and not really that deep in prayer that then seems to be fine but like if i'm ever in a moment where i'm like it's quiet and i'm actually able to focus and i feel like i'm deep in prayer i will oftentimes be suddenly sort of struck with these like seemingly contradictions like i'll like i'll be in prayer about something unrelated and then all of a sudden i'll think like why 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 couldn't god just save us all without jesus why do i actually have to do anything about that why can't god just pronounce a word and save us all and like and that will like distract me from my prayer because all of a sudden I'm, I'm like re- rethinking theological things about the, you know what I mean? And, 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 and again, not related to whatever I'm praying about. And I sometimes wonder if that, if those moments of doubt are some sort of spiritual attack, because it definitely derails me, derails me because I'm trying to pray for somebody. And all of a sudden I'm like, why would my prayer be necessary to save this person? You know what I mean? Which is not things, not things that I believe at all. But all of a sudden these things, these thoughts strike me. Hmm. You know what I mean? I find it very, I can find it very distracting. So I think in those moments that that's what I would attribute to the evil one the most probably in my life. Sure. Yeah. I've, I've certainly had experiences like that. You know, you go to pray and you have a severe temptation that as soon as you leave prayer, it goes away. You're like, well, where did that come from? Mm-hmm. But so, and I think it's important though, back to your point, Carmelina, about like distinguishing between human frailty and, and the weakness of human nature and spiritual warfare, because I think you attack them on different, in different ways. If it's, you know, for example, if someone has depression and it's psychological, then obviously you attack it psychologically. But if it's spiritually based, or there's a spiritual component, then there's obviously some like de- deliverance prayers or some sort of like you know fasting and prayer, um, as Jesus says, is really powerful against the evil one fasting. So, how do you distinguish between what is natural and human and what is you know like these technology things? What's how do you know? I think it's hard to know. I would just start with 
So I think the devil loves to go after us um, through our feelings first. Mm. We're so obsessed with our feelings now. I feel like doing this. I, I don't feel like doing that. And the, the analogy that I heard was first he'll get us through our music, right? Music today is all about feelings, who you love, who you don't love, who you broke up with, this ex, right? So we're fo- so focused on the feelings. And then he can come in and influence us in that way. And, and we're kind of, I think, weak if we're just living in our feelings because we're feelings and then reason and then spirit, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so there is a certain amount of having to conquer yourself, right? Like knowing who you are, knowing your natural faults, right? We all have our vices, you know, as I've shared, I'm impatient, you know? and But now I'm very aware of it and I recognize <laughs> when my impatience is like flaring up and I try to control it, but I'm, you know, we're a work in progress as everybody is. Um, but so learning about yourself, kind of knowing what your faults are that, you know, you've, you can recognize, right? Um, and um, growing spiritually, I think, you know, um, because uh, developing a spiritual life is what helps us conquer ourselves, right? So as you said, we're all tempted, you know, maybe at Lent you give something up, maybe you keep it, maybe you don't. But what about like a year-long penance or, you know, fasting um, weekly, or like even just a commitment to work out every day, every other day, right? Things like that, that take work that are hard, um, you know, against pleasure. Like you have to kind of be in control of yourself to keep those commitments that aren't, you know, easy. Yeah. And the devil's always going to pull you away from them. Always. Oh, I'm too tired to pray today. I'll pray tomorrow. Or, oh, I want to go to daily mass today, but I should really like do this other thing that's way less important instead. I think those kinds of things are always from the devil. So like compromises in your faith. Yeah, that, that reasoning that you do. Like, yeah. it, um, So that's why I just go back to if you can conquer yourself and know your faults and then be committed you know, to what you're going to do and then not let those little temptations come in, that's how you can, I think, distinguish and overcome yeah. the devil. I like what you said about knowing yourself too because like if you know your own faults, you know when a thought you have is like out of the ordinary for you. Mm-hmm. I think so few people actually take the time to like go through their thoughts and get to know themselves. So then it's like any random thought that pops into their head is plausibly theirs. But if you know that you struggle with, you know, four specific things and all of a sudden this fifth thing creeps up, it's like, well, where's that coming from? Like, that's not, that actually isn't me usually. Like, is that maybe that's the evil one? So I think like having a good, like sort of understanding of yourself is actually really, it's a good point. It's really, it's really useful, I think. Yeah. And I've also been taught that there are people who will never get to a sense of control or knowledge of them. And so they're just kind of always being pulled in one direction or another and reacting to everything. Yeah, like maybe emotionally, they kind of flare up a lot because they're just not grounded like, in, in who they are. Right. Or I don't know, I've seen this transformation too. Once you start to grow spiritually and you're focused more on eternity, like the day to day trials and tribulations just don't affect you as much mm-hmm. when you're so worldly. Mm. Um, you know, minor things are like the biggest deal. Yeah. You can totally derail your day. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, I think that conquering yourself is kind of key. Interesting you guys bring up knowing yourself because I think one of the devil's main tactics is to tell us lies, particularly mm-hmm. about ourselves or about God. You know, God's never going to help you or yeah. you're worthless, you're trash, you know. And the devil knows that we're perhaps weak in that area because we didn't get that love that we needed or whatever we're struggling with. And that's, that's like an opening for the devil to throw those lies in there that make them believable. Absolutely. I think that's why community is so important. Again, it goes into the temptation to stay within ourselves and give, give in to these thoughts 
And sometimes I don't even think we realize it, especially many of us are working at home. There's plenty of time where we're not interacting with other people and we're kind of just sitting there thinking. And um, who knows where those thoughts may go. And it's so important to have community around you that can edify you. And Lauren, I thought you made a really kind of circling back a little bit, a really great point about um, people's emotions. It is so tempting to be like reactionary, but it's, we forget. And I have this conversation a lot with my friends, like, they're like, oh, I don't know what God is telling me to do. And I'm like, use your brain. Like God gave you logic. God gave you an intellect. Yeah. He gave you an intellect and you can analyze your intellect and your logic against what the church teaches. And a lot of times that gives you a very clear picture about what you should do. I mean, if your intellect is telling you something and, or you're reasoning through something and it's against the church, then you probably shouldn't do it because the church is very clear on a lot of things. And so I'm like, use your brain first. God gave it to you. You're very smart. Start there and then pray about it, you know, and it's natural and it's supernatural. And God is within our reason. He's in our circumstances. And I think that's also a good way to discern, you know, what we should be doing and whether or not it, it is from God or it's not. Sometimes we just have to to do it if, if we don't know if it's still a good choice and it makes sense logically. And, you know, why not? That's so important because I, I'm just thinking of the example that I see, unfortunately, far too often with young adults is that uh, you'll have pr- particularly a girl who thinks that she can rescue a guy. Oh, no. You know, the guy's <laughs> falling apart and the girl's like, I, I can do it. I can, you know, and, and like reason, you use a reason. You're like, no, no, you can't, you know, but they're like, no, I feel it. I feel like I can be, you know, maybe God wants this and I feel it. And like, no, stop using your feelings. Start oh, using man, your don't care about your feelings. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Related to what you said before, too, um, like, I think a lot of times, I mean, I know for myself, I've gotten both gotten into trouble and almost gotten into big trouble in my life where I've sort of closed off all like ex- external data and just tried to like go off of what I like reason my way to decisions. So it's like, yeah, I can, here's what I know about myself and the situation. I can just come to the conclusion, but it's like, and I've come to the point where I've almost made decisions that were like exactly opposite of what the church teaches. And it's like, I remember I finally, I heard on a podcast, somebody say that your conscience can bind, but it can't loose. And that was mm-hmm. like mind blowing for me. Cause it's like, right. Like I can't say, well, for, for these three reasons, what I'm about to do is right even though it's against the church's teaching authority. It's like, no, the church's teaching authority is what it is. And then my conscience has to work off of that. But I think sometimes the devil closes us off from all these outside things. And like, I find myself like not listening to podcast episodes about things that I knew would go against what I wanted to do. Right. And so I'm like, really? I'm, speaking, I'm speaking really vaguely, like on purpose here, but it's like, but it's like, yeah, it's, it's like, I can make the decision on my, like, I know, I know enough to make the decision by myself. It's like, no, you don't like get out of your own head. Like and that's I, your pride. Absolutely. Which Absolutely. we all have. We're, yeah. we're all so prideful. Yeah. But you know what? I, I don't know that even the devil, for most people, at least for me, the devil does not give me reasoned arguments. It's just, it's not right. like, it's not like, oh yeah, this is going to be a good thing to commit this sin. No, the devil's just like, here, you want it. Right? Well, and it doesn't try to like explain well, for, for it, me it was or, more For me, it was more like, well, it's not exactly a lie. Well, but it's it's not really anyone's business. Well, but you can get out of it this way. Okay, well, so cutting corners. It's, it's that very sense, lawyerly, yeah. you know? <laughs> very lawyerly. <laughs> back to earlier topic conversation. But it's like ultimately you run into the hard reality of it. It's like, okay, but is it what I, is it what I, my subjective like thoughts on the matter or is it the teaching authority of the church? Because that isn't what's corruptible. That's not corruptible. Mm. So it's like, yeah, I can try to orient myself all I want, but unless I'm basing myself on something that's found that's solid then I'm, I don't know that I'm pointing the right direction. Well, that's why St. Paul says in Romans 12, he says, uh, be transformed by the renewal of your mind so that you may know what is the will of God, what is good, pleasing, and perfect. Mm. I love that one. You know, he says, yeah, it's like it's part of your intellect to form that, to know the word of God and the word of God taught by the church. And then, then you will know what's good, pleasing, and perfect. Mm-hmm. But that's hard because the devil makes good look awful 
distasteful, right? And bad look easy. Yeah, like prayer most is so us, hard. Why should you do, you know? Most of us haven't been properly catechized. Yeah, that too. So that's a challenge. You just need to listen to more restless episodes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to learn everything there is to know. Yeah. So like if you face this kind of spiritual warfare, like like you mentioned, or, um, you know, like Carmelita is talking about the kind of the darkness, have you ever prayed like a deliverance prayer? I have seen it done. Um I actually, I probably have. There was, there's this retreat called Unbound. I'm oh sure yeah, I've heard of it. Yeah, and it's pretty charismatic, and it's supposed to like loose the bonds that attach people to sin and um, maybe past trauma or hurt. And I, I personally didn't get too much out of it, but I, I've seen a lot of people be really transformed by it. Apparently, some exorcisms have happened during it. Mm. Um, and but it was actually the deliverance prayers. Um, I think are more common in, in like charismatic Catholic communities. Mm -hmm. And then, but I saw them a lot when I was in the Protestant church, actually, like in the Baptist church, that was really common. Like in the name of Jesus, I call this out. Um, I would see that all the time. I don't know if it did anything. Um, I, I don't know. It probably did. But, um, but yeah, so I've seen it, but I don't, You've never, I've always kind of been it. at like a distance from it. Yeah. Yeah. I think most Catholics don't even know that they exist. Would you count like this prayer of St. Michael the Archangel as a deliverance prayer? Does it have to be specifically about spiritual warfare? Like, um, Yeah, it's, it is a deliverance prayer, but but there are some other ones that are more specific hmm. to whatever you're dealing with. What would be an example of one? Do you have a short one that you could give us off the top of your head? Uh, I, I haven't really memorized any because you can make your own hmm. deliverance prayer. You know, it's just, you know, Lord Jesus Christ, in your name, by your precious blood, free me from whatever hmm. evil spirit is afflicting me right now, whether it's a thought, whether it's a, an emotion. Hmm. Hmm. You know, or, you know, it's a technology thing. Like, I do that yeah. all the time with my technology and my car and things, mm -hmm. you know. I had to do it recently, too, because um, we planned a Prayer for Life event the day after the March for Life to do here locally in Stanford. And uh, it was a pretty big effort to, to bring it all together, and it, it was phenomenal. We ended up having over 70 people, I would say, that came to Mass and then processed to Planned Parenthood. We did the Divine Mercy Prayer there, and we prayed rosaries on the way there and back. But for the first time ever... I was using flock notes to message youth group about it. And it was, you know, I got this notification, your message could not be sent. And I'm like, look at that, right? This has never happened before, but I'm trying to do something a little bit bigger and for the pro-life movement and the message won't send. So, and, and then I had something with my phone too, where it's, my phone was like dying and it wouldn't charge and I'm trying to coordinate with the person I'm planning this with. So I just say, you know, in the name of Jesus Christ, if there's any evil spirits here preventing this from sending, you know, please go away, you know. Just something like that. Yeah. No, I, I, I do that very frequently. Because I, I find that, I mean, personally, and again, this, you know, it is, you're right, it is hard to know. Um, but like, yeah, I find it like sometimes, um, very frequently when I was at St. John's Basilica, I would get extremely dizzy during Mass. Hmm. Interesting. One time I was getting up to preach and I felt something hit me on the side of the head and I actually wow. lost my hearing for like a minute. Wow. That side. Yeah, it was really weird, you know. But you're like, all right, well, it's spiritual warfare. Wow, but how come? How come? How come? Like lay Catholics can pray deliverance prayer because doesn't require spiritual authority to cast out demons and stuff like that. Yes, but you have, as a baptized Catholic, you have some spiritual authority. Yeah. You know, not as much as a priest, and that's why you, you can't do an exorcism. But you have spiritual authority over your own soul, your priest, prophet, and king, or own souls. But it would be imprudent to try to pray for, over for deliverance for somebody else. Well, see, that's why. Uh, I think it was right before this episode started that we were talking about yeah. the two types of deliverance prayer, which is there's imprecatory and then there's um, uh, depreciative. So imprecatory is like you're commanding Satan. We can't do that. 
Yeah, I can't even command right, Satan, a bishop or an exorcist appointed yeah. by a bishop. But depreciatory is you're asking God to do it. So it's really you're interceding on behalf of someone else, you know, just knowing that there's some spiritual stuff going on there. So there's a difference in intent or is a difference language? Different language. Yeah. Lord Jesus, by your precious blood, we ask you to cast As opposed to in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you. I, I, right. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Big difference. Hmm. And we were, we were talking right before this episode about uh, that great scene from Acts 19, yeah. where uh, these seven Jewish guys were like, yeah, we're going we're gonna to use Jesus' name to cast out demons. <laughs> the demon's like, I know Paul and I know Jesus, but who are you? <laughs> and they just, one guy beats up seven guys and strips them naked and have, they have to run outside. So that's what, <laughs> that's what happens if you try it without uh, the proper authority. <laughs> yeah. It's, I've also heard that there should be caution when other people are praying that kind of stuff over you potentially. Um, like I would only feel comfortable if like a priest would, I think like the laying of hands, there's something with like the laying of hands that you have to be careful, like who does that over you. Do you know anything about that father? Yeah, um, you know, it's, it's not a quite a developed theology. Okay. It's more like different practices. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say if, if people are praying in the name of Jesus and you know these people to be in the state of grace, yeah. then it's probably very safe. But if it's As long like, as they're not trying to do things outside of their right. capacity. You know, they're not, they're not trying to cast out Satan or anything. Right. Okay. Because possessions are extru- extraordinarily rare. In fact, Father Amorth says there's only three ways you can really get possessed. Um, one is to invite Satan in, you know, by playing a Ouija board or mm-hmm. tarot cards or palm readers, or, you know, psychics, something like that. Um, another way is to have somebody who has spiritual authority over you um, invited in. So I, I helped with an exorcism, and that's a whole long story, which I won't tell here. But it was a, a young man who got possessed because his parents conceived him as part of a satanic ritual. It was really, yeah, it was awful. He was adopted, thankfully, uh, from Cuba, and his, his uh, adopted parents were good Catholics, and they found this out wow. later on. And yeah, awful stuff. Or the third way, actually, Father Morth says, is by living in unrepentant mortal sin. Wow. And I've, I've met at least one person that I'm pretty sure was possessed. Uh, he was a gang member who was in my office one day, and it was, it was bizarre. Yeah, you can kind of, you can just kind of tell that when the person's talking, it's something else. You know, there's something in their eyes. You're like, that's not, mm-hmm. you're not all there. Can you be more specific? Just. Oh, this gang member? Yeah. That's a great story, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this one I can tell because I'm sure he's not listening to Restless. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this guy comes into my office and when I was at St. Mary's in Stanford and he's mm-hmm. kind of flipping out. He, you know, wasn't sure if he was on something and, and he's like, I got to see a priest, got to see a priest. So he, he comes in and he says, I'm, I'm, I'm very religious. I've got a tattoo of Our Lady Guadalupe here. I've got a tattoo of the crucifix here. I've got a tattoo of St. Michael the Archangel there. I'm like, okay, what are those tattoos on your face? Those teardrops? He's like, those are the people I killed in Nicaragua. I'm like, okay. So we start talking. He's seeing demons in his house, and he wants me to come bless his house. And as it comes out, he was part of the Latin Kings gang, uh, which wasn't active on the west side of Stanford. And I told him, like, look, you know, you're part of this gang. I mean, I can bless your house, but it's not going to do anything because the problem is not in the house. It's in you. You know, and you, unless you leave the gang, your soul is sold to Satan. And he said, if I leave the gang, they're going to kill me. I said, I understand. But if you stay in the gang, you're going to lose your soul. So take your pick. And he ended up leaving because I refused to bless his house. And that next weekend, we had spray paint all over the church. <gasps> yeah. Wow. But, well, I'm glad you're okay. Yeah, I'm glad too because apparently, I guess it could have been a lot worse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But yeah, no, so, I mean, thankfully, you know, possession is very rare. 
Mm-hmm. And and that's why when whenever the church is presented with this, even with people that are perhaps have obsession or oppression, we have to be very careful to distinguish the psychological from the spiritual. And so you try to treat the psychological first. Mm-hmm. And if the psychological doesn't respond, you know, whether it's to antipsychotic medications or something like that, then you often look at the spiritual. But you hear the whole history of the person. You say, you know, have you done any of these things like Ouija boards or, you know, have you been practicing the sacraments? Father Gabriel Morth said the two most powerful weapons against Satan are confession and the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. So like, do you practice the sacraments? Do you have a prayer life? You know, because if you don't, then that's the first place to start is for you to get back right with the Lord. And then, then the Lord can work. Yeah, exactly. Well, we've ran out of time. I'm sorry I went over. <laughs> but thanks for joining us in this episode of Restless. My challenge for you is this, you know, be aware of how Satan can move in your life, but don't be afraid. Because if you have Christ in you, you are more powerful than Satan. Stay close to confession in the Eucharist. You never need to be afraid. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. And in his name and by his precious blood, you can trample upon the head of Satan. Thanks for joining us on 1350 uh, AM, Veritas Catholic Network. We're also on FM and wherever you can get your podcasts. Tune in next time.